Hampshire, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, all day long, the countdown to New Hampshire. Uh, all right, it's tomorrow. Donald Trump heavily favored to win, and if he does, he might just have the whole thing locked up. So while the whole world is consumed with New Hampshire, I want to talk about another place, South Carolina, where I'm told nothing wrong or bad ever happens down there. Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always it's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. Smaltzy, corny, and not true. Every state, it doesn't matter. People have good days and bad days there, here, everywhere. Just insincere career politician stuff, right? Uh, okay, you know, she's a big cheerleader for South Carolina until now. Until right now, the eve of the primary we just talked about, she's desperate. So she's slamming the great state of South Carolina. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Wow, huh? Um, where have we heard that kind of thing before? Bad, bad-mouthing America on the eve of an election. So uh, I actually looked up her autobiography. It didn't happen every day. It didn't. It was there, yeah, she mentioned it, but now it's kind of desperate, right? And everybody gets teased about something in school. You should have seen my teeth. They called me Tombstone. I was, well, I had buck teeth for a while. All right, keep going. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Okay, follow this, right? This guy named Walter Scott, it's a bad shooting, shot in the back by a cop, that happened. And she says she eliminated the suffering of the family by passing some bill. No, the family still suffered. But these career politicians, they just think they're, they, they, they think they're godlike. You know what I mean? I did this. And I, uh, the suffering of the family, she did not address that. And anyway, there's more of this. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black, because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. All right, this is just not the tune she was singing. I mean, it feels like a matter of weeks ago when she was hanging around by the railroad tracks talking about what a great life she had in South Carolina. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say, your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Every day? I thought every day you were getting made fun of because your brown skin just doesn't add up. It's so insincere and inauthentic. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, 
but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. All right, but on the eve of the election, you're crying racism all over the place and talking up your record at the United Nations, and we should address that. Who remembers a guy named Otto Warmbier? This was an American college student, I believe, who, uh, well, he was arrested in North Korea, the last place you want to be arrested. Obama was president. They threw him in jail. Bad things happened to him. And when he finally left North Korea, well, he had several medical episodes. He was in bad, bad shape, and he died, I think, a few months later. So here we are, again, on the eve of the election. Donald Trump made this a priority to get this guy out of North Korea. And they got him out of North Korea. Listen to Nikki now. I told Fred and Cindy, speak up, get loud, make sure I will help you. Let's partner. We're going to call North Korea out. I passed the largest set of sanctions against them in a generation by pushing China and Russia to do it. But what did Trump do? Instead, he talked about love letters going back and forth to Kim Jong-un. Cindy would contact me. She was so upset. And he went and said, oh, but Kim said that he wasn't aware of any torture that happened to Otto. All you had to do was look at Otto when he was returned back to his parents. Yeah, I mean, she's making it sound like an argument at the PTA meeting. I'm sorry, it sounds very kind of small, although there are big issues at the PTA meeting. Cindy, she's bringing uh, Otto Warmbier's parents in. I pass this, I pass that. It was Trump administration policy, right? And it just, Trump is the guy who got him out. And once he's out, Trump still has to lead, okay? We had to make peace with North Korea. I think the world is a better place, actually. You know, the State Department hated it. I guess Nikki hated it that this moment happened with Kim Jong-un and that President Trump actually entered North Korea, the DMZ. Remember that? I think this made the world a better place. I am very sorry about what happened to Otto Warmbier's, uh, so, uh, what happened to Otto Warmbier. But after a point, you know, we have to, we have to, do what's right by America, and I think that's what President Trump did. So Nikki is pretty stuck on herself, isn't she? I remember at the United Nations, mm -hmm. I had to sit him down and tell him to stop this bromance with Putin. I mean, you can't have someone who's trying to buddy up with dictators that want to kill us. Sit him down. You know, that did not happen. Here she is taking fake news talking points about Putin. And, oh, the fake news is coming to her defense. Because Donald Trump had the audacity to call her by her name. Trump has sharpened his attacks against Haley, even resorting to calling her by her first name, Nimrata, an attack meant to be a racist dog whistle against his rival. Donald Trump is using her given name, Nimrata, as, as a way of making her an other. No, Trump's you're not hallucinating. Continue. They actually say that Donald Trump using Nikki Haley's first name, folks, is racist. Um, this is absurd, obviously. Can we see your full name? All right. This actually is Nikki's own fault. Nimrata Nikki Rondahawa, that was her uh, maiden name. You know, you should have told us initially that your name wasn't Nicole. I mean... I thought Nikki was short for Nicole. Here's the deal. You could have cleared this up a long time ago. Not cleared it up. Just say who you are. We shouldn't be learning about a candidate's name on the eve of the election. It's inauthentic. It's on her. Maybe she didn't trust us enough, right? Because she thinks everybody's racist. The same thing happened to Ron DeSantis, okay? Remember there was a whole thing about DeSantis, whether it was 
DeSantis or DeSantis. I mean, he, he said it one way, his wife said it a different way, and it got the media talking. Here is who Ron DeSantis, who doesn't even pronounce his, he doesn't know how to pronounce his name. It's either DeSantis or DeSantis, depending on whether his wife is telling him what, what, it, what it is. Who knew the long versus short version of a vow could cause all this political calamity? But the governor seemed unfazed when asked what the final word was on how to pronounce his name. This is trivial, but it's getting more strange by the moment. Is it? Which is it? Well, like we said, we want to call him whatever he'd like to be called, but he won't even say it when asked directly about it. It is true. They put it right to him. And Trump was kind of making fun of this. And that's okay. It's politics. So how do you say DeSantis? DeSantis. DeSantis. How do you say it? I've got a long last name, a European name, Steinhauser. There's been some confusion over your last name and the pronunciation. And I'm just wondering, to correct the record, what is it? Oh, this is ridiculous, these stupid things. Listen, the way to pronounce my last name, winner. I, you know, I'm sorry, but this is one of the many reasons why he didn't pull through. It's an easy question. What, what, why did he seem so pained by it? All right, back to Nikki. I want to point out that Nikki has done incredibly well in politics. This is the house she lived in before she was governor. It's perfectly nice, but it certainly isn't a mansion. Of course, when you're governor, a lot of times you get to live in the governor's mansion, right? Much nicer, much bigger. When you become the UN uh, ambassador, you get a very cool apartment paid for by, well, the taxpayers. It's a, it's a penthouse right by the United Nations. And now that she's done with government service, she lives in a multi-million dollar uh, mansion again. Not my taste, but uh, whatever. And it's on the beach. This is how it works for these folks, right? She says it's about us. No, I don't think so. And let's talk about Ron and her. Let's face it. They were in this race because they were hoping that Trump would get convicted. They weren't rooting for Trump like we are as he goes through this ridiculous process, right? We know it's bad. Uh, we know that this is unjust, but they were actually hoping that something else would happen. And I want to stay on this for a moment. You know, Donald Trump went to the funeral last week of his mother-in-law. There isn't a man in America who would not go if they were married to their wife's mother's funeral. But again, the judge would not let him. And I am told by prosecutors, defense attorneys, lawyers, anybody who knows what they're talking about, that this is insane. Uh, take a look at what the judge said. You can go to the funeral or you can go to the trial, but you can't do both. Now, here's the thing. One of the reasons why that's so offensive. You know, they let killers out of jail on furlough. They let killers, convicted murderers, go to their brother's funeral. It happens all the time. This guy, they let him out of jail. So how about that one, huh? They are so overconfident. They've gone too far against Trump, and all of this stuff has helped him. It's helped him, right, with us. We trust him more. So New Hampshire is tomorrow, and he looks like he's going to win, and that is thanks to the people, the amazing people who saw through all the fake news, who see that America is in obvious decline, and they want to reverse it. The American people are great, and they can't be fooled. This is also due to Donald Trump himself. He is an amazing figure. There isn't a human being on the planet who could go through this stuff, be in a trial in the morning and giving a speech in New Hampshire at night and, and winning the thing by who knows how many points, right? And also the amazingly bad Biden, we call it. I mean, this is, this is the worst 
presidency imaginable. So he's responsible for Donald Trump's comeback in some ways. And also what we call the snobs, the elites in media, in politics, um, anywhere. They're, they're, they're all over the place. This is what they think of us, of course. You can put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> You would think they would have learned their lesson from Hillary Clinton. You can't besmirch the country you want to lead. You can't. I mean, maybe you just don't like us very much. You just are in it for the, for the money and the power and the perks and whatever. Joe Biden did not learn the, the, the lesson. I think he has genuine contempt for the people. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. They spread fear and lies, lies told for profit and power. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans quote a clear and present danger to our democracy. No matter what the white supremacists and the extremists say, I made a bet on you, the American people, and that bet is paying off. Wow, you, you took a gamble on us, huh? And we lived up to you. This is um, the kind of stuff you say when you're not going to be genuinely reelected, okay? Um, and then, you know, Republicans do it as well. Who remembers Mitt Romney? Listen to the original comments he made at the closed-door fundraising dinner in May in Boca Raton, Florida, and how his response has evolved in the days and weeks since they first surfaced. There are 47% of the people who vote for the president no matter what. All right, there are 47% who are with him, who are dependent upon government, who believe that, that they are victims, who believe that government has a responsibility to care for them, who believe that they are entitled to health care, to food, to housing, to you name it. All right. That's, uh, that's not what you say. And if it's in your heart, it, you really have no business running for president. Um, so Ron DeSantis, he is, he's out. I, and now we can like him again, all right? He's only, what, 44, 45 or something like that? In 20 years, he'll be 12 years younger than Trump. He's got a long time to figure this out and to get better. Greetings from Florida. The warmth of being home is a reminder why I've chosen public service. From joining the United States Navy and serving in Iraq, to representing the people in the U.S. Congress, and now serving as governor of Florida. And it reminds me why I decided to run for president. I, the warm weather reminds him of why, I, know, I look, he's a little bit, he's so smart, he's kind of weird in certain areas. He's got a long time to clean it up. I wish he had listened to me a year and a half ago. <laughs> I told him, in the summer of 2022, he was, when he was thinking about it, he had not yet been reelected. I said, don't do it, Ron. Governor Ron DeSantis, he is amazing. So talented, so smart, unlimited political future. I want him to be president someday. I think that's almost guaranteed to happen. But I'd rather not see him run in 2024 for a number of reasons. 
Number of reasons, including his, uh, well, he wasn't ready yet. He just wasn't ready. And also the loyalty factor. And anyway, this got some attention. And who knows? Maybe he did himself some good in running. I don't know. Would the establishment have been so angry at him if he had not run? I don't know. But everything has worked out the way it's supposed to work out, I guess, right? Because Trump is an incalculably stronger candidate based on the competition, based on those uh, fake indictments, and, and based on his hard work and determination and commitment to this country. So we also have somebody else to thank, right? You know, going through that kind of adversity and coming out on top, where have we seen stories like that happen before? Hmm? Any guesses? We'll be right back. Federal Real Heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, we're real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels and switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda, no spin, just the facts. Millions watch us, so can you. Newsmax, we are real news for real people. Brand new details about just how close then-Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was to a pipe bomb that was planted outside the Democratic National Committee headquarters. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was inside DNC headquarters when the explosive was found outside the building. Harris. Then-Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was in the DNC and was evacuated because of the bomb threat. Um... This story is appearing faker and faker, okay? If that's a word, faker, I think it applies. Um, this became news January 31st of 2022. A year after January 6th, they put it out there that Kamala Harris came this close. Uh, a pipe bomb could have destroyed uh, her. I mean, and we don't want anything like that to ever happen. And it doesn't look like that even, well... I think they might be exaggerating and maybe even lying and maybe even misleading. So we have videotape of the Democrat National Committee from that day, and it paints an entirely different picture. You see the cop car? Okay, you see this guy walking up to it? We were told that this is a passerby alerting the Capitol Police that he just found a pipe bomb a few feet away on a park bench, under a park bench. Now. We just learned recently, over the past few days, that that's not a passerby, a civilian. It's actually a Capitol Hill police officer who kind of moseys on up there to tell his colleagues that there's a pipe bomb on a bench just a few feet away. Now, about two minutes later, well, take two minutes go by and nothing really happens. And then the cops kind of slowly get out of the car and kind of amble over in that general direction while kids are crossing the street just a few feet from the alleged pipe bomb. That's weird, right? I mean, you got a bomb and the vice president is inside? I mean, the next vice president potentially? Where's the sense of urgency? Was it a real pipe bomb? I think there's one more piece of video that just shows weird nonchalance. So the bench uh, on the right, that's where the pipe bomb is supposed to be. That's what we were told. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of folks, you heard the, the dramatization of it all, a pipe bomb close to Vice President Harris. Well, a lot of people were doing that, right? Just exaggerating the level of danger 
AOC was like a half mile away from the Capitol when she gave us this report. I go back in and I, I hide back in, um, in the bathroom behind the door. And then I just start to hear these yells of, where is she? Where is she? And I just thought to myself, they got inside. And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought everything was over. I mean, I thought I was going to die. I laugh because none of that's true. She was across the street in a totally secure building. Uh, so there's that. But they do love to hype it, especially Joe. The defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. Face to face with crazed mob that believed the lies of the defeated president. Ah, uh, carnage, medieval hell, ghost stories, ghost stories. So why don't they ever talk about the bomb? Uh, we've had how many anniversaries? Three, January 6th of 2022. No mention of any pipe bomb in Kamala Harris in that big speech. In 2023, no mention of the pipe bomb in Kamala Harris. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, no mention of the pipe bomb in Kamala Harris. There's, a, there's an issue with this story. We're going to know more soon. That's, that's my sense, and that's what I'm hearing. And it could break open, I don't know, a lot of January 6th myths. So tomorrow is the primary again, not just for uh, Republicans, but for Democrats. You know, Joe Biden is actually not on the ballot. Incumbent presidents, they have to get renominated. Donald Trump, I think he got 99.999% of the vote in New Hampshire in 2020 when he was the incumbent president. But Joe Biden won't even be on the ballot because people don't like him in New Hampshire. He did crummy up there in 2020. Look at that list. You got Sanders, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren. Joe Biden came in fifth place all the way at the bottom. What was his percentage? Eight very, very poor, very poor. And in Iowa, he finished in fourth place. Fourth place, Joe. All right, so what's going on here? He wants to run in South Carolina. He wants that to be the first in the nation because that's where he thinks he has the greatest advantage, and that's where Jim Clyburn makes everybody <laughs> just vote for Joe somehow. There is an intriguing Democrat running against Joe Biden. His name is Dean Phillips. He's a member of Congress from Minnesota. I'm told that he is from a rich family. Good for him. Nothing wrong with that. And a poll suggests he could do, well, better than expected. If he gets 32% tomorrow, I, 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 that is, that's almost bigger than Donald Trump winning by 30 points. That, Joe Biden, how does he go on after that kind of result? Anyway, Mr. Phillips seems very optimistic. President Biden is 80 years old. Fair game for your campaign to talk about? or will you leave the issue on the shelf? First of all, both leading candidates right now will be in their 80s. 
the oldest two Americans to ever serve in the office. I like this guy. I disagree with him about policy and a lot of other things, but for him, it's country over party. Very few Democrats are like that these days, especially Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she's back in the news. And uh, why is Nikki Haley being mentioned along with Nancy Pelosi? We'll have that when we come back. The mugshot of Donald Trump, remember when they arrested him down in Fulton County, Georgia, actually brought him in, brought him in. He was under arrest, a mugshot, all for complaining about, well, what did he do? He had issues with the uh, election. You're allowed to have issues with elections, in my opinion. But they were so self-righteous about it, those authorities, quote-unquote authorities down there. Uh, this is Fannie Willis, the DA, back in the news. I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. That's how decisions are made in every case. Okay, but what about your boyfriend? Did your boyfriend possibly impact your decision-making? After all, you had a boyfriend in the office. Uh, there he is on the right. Uh, the head prosecutor, the guy, his name is Nathan Wade. Um, they were going on trips together. And this guy wasn't just some prosecutor in the office. She specifically recruited him, hired him from another jurisdiction, paid him a special salary. The whole thing is very, very weird and could blow this case wide open. You know, it's not just Donald Trump. There are more than a dozen other defendants, including somebody uh, I really like, actually, Harrison Floyd. Harrison Floyd has been caught up in this, uh, this trumped-up case, and his lawyer joins us now, Chris Kuchuroff. Uh Welcome, Chris. And uh, how are you? Thank and you how's right. Harrison, first of all? Harrison's doing well. He's uh, managing to get through this. He's had to undergo a revocation of bond hearing because Fannie Willis got very angry. And uh, she was trying to revoke his bond. We survived that. I don't think she had the evidence like she says she does. You heard that clip in the intro where she says she rules on the facts and the law. I don't think so. I, my personal opinion is they're very loose with their facts and the law. Uh, so for instance, they've accused him of making a false statement or getting, trying to get somebody else to make a false statement when, in fact, they have no false statement. Uh, it's not in the discovery. It's not in the indictment. You read all 94 pages of it, you're rough to wonder, what did uh, Harrison Floyd do wrong? So. Yeah, it really is puzzling. It's like really that vague. And people who left voicemails, voicemails, hey, could you call me back? They're in trouble. Those are actual charges. Right. Um, how does the situation with the deputy there, Nathan Wade, blow this thing up? What does it mean to you? I know you didn't file the stuff because another another defendant did, but... What do you think really happens here if they were going to Las Vegas together, if they were going on cruises together? Well, we'll be joining in on that motion, but you gotta, you've got to remember, I think that this case is being used as a moneymaker for the district attorney's office. Um, and I think that uh, this idea of paying Nathan Wade, who has never really had much prosecutorial experience, especially at this level, on this magnitude of a case, is indicative of something, ruefully, uh, it looks, the appearance of it, I'm not saying that it is, but the appearance of impropriety is what lawyers look to when we decide whether something we should not engage in a particular bit of con, uh, conduct. Uh, but I would say that uh, it shows that she's personally vested in this case, personally and financially interested in the case. And I'm not, I'm not talking about 
uh, go, I'm going beyond the luxury vacations and well beyond the procurement, what we call public procurement or getting a public contract. That's, that's Mr. Wade's uh, money that was paying to them. But the things that don't seem right to me are that uh, her relationship with Mr. Wade and how much she's paying him almost, and the, what's going on in the divorce case, almost smacks of, of them trying to make a life together. And this is their nest egg they're putting together. What about um, so the visits to the White House? I think both of them, Wade and uh, Fannie Willis there, yeah. going to the White House, these are local prosecutors. They don't work for the Department of Justice. Um, that's, yeah, five hours with Kamala Harris, or actually with somebody on her staff at least. That's bizarre. Nathan Wade showing up and spending time there. Um, you know, that's, that's evidence. It's circumstantial evidence. But when the media say there's no evidence of coordination with the White House, that's wrong. That's clearly wrong. I mean, there's political coordination going on. There's absolutely no reason for a local prosecutor to go to the White House. Zero. You know, uh, she, that all that was being done, in my opinion, that's just another glamour trip. You know, I lived in D.C. for a while. It's, it is the swamp, as you know, Greg. So there's really no reason for her to go and visit with uh, Mr. Wade or even to pay him. Uh, it has nothing to do with this case. So. You know, Fulton County is the same county, I believe, that locked up Martin Luther King. And back then, uh, right, they, they marked. Um, I would like you to uh, tell us about your thoughts on the media coverage of this case, because with very few exceptions, you know, conservative media and some of them, quite frankly, are holding their nose when it comes to Donald Trump. Uh, I feel like the media should be there for you to root out this kind of overcharging and this kind of ludicrous, uh, I mean, prosecutorial. It looks like misconduct, but they, they haven't been, have they? I, I have not seen, I've done a fair number of criminal cases in my time. And it's, it's most often than not, it's not the attorney that makes the case. It's the client. It's the facts. And this has got to be one of the weakest indictments I have ever seen when they can't even produce what the false statement is that they wanted Mr. That they're accusing Mr. Floyd of trying to get somebody else to make. Uh, they can't, they can't even go that far. So what, what should the press be doing? The press is kind of doing its job, believe it or not. I, I hate to admit it. I've been surprised by some of the reporting because the reporters are asking the hard questions. I had a Reuters reporter ask me, um, Mr. Kachurov, I've read all 94 pages of the indictment. Could you please tell me what is it that Mr. Floyd did wrong exactly? Because I don't know. I can't tell. Right. Well, they've been OK, I think, on the um, the abuse uh, allegations about Fannie Willis. And you get phone right. calls like that. But the preponderance of the coverage has been, I think, like this is a bona fide case when it's not. And, oh, very quickly. I would quickly, agree with that. Yep, I would you, agree with that. You would agree. Um, Absolutely, yes. And do you have any thoughts on um, Shay and Ruby? Shay, what is it? Shay Freeman and Ruby Moss or Ruby Freeman and Shay? Uh, forgive me, but those two, what are your thoughts on them? I, I just know that they don't know about any false statement either. So, you know, I, I, I would say that the two of them are, uh, I mean, I think right now they're going around suing people because they are trying to make money. Um, you know, you saw that they sued Rudy Giuliani. Uh, I think that the videos at State Farm Arena, they're still suspicious videos. I mean, they have their explanation for it. But to me, it looks like somebody's double scanning ballots. Are they doing it intentionally? I have no idea. But it's at least negligent if, if they are double scanning. So that's the kind of, I, I don't really know what to say about those two. I mean, they're, they're doing what they want. They're riding the circuit. But I think that's more of a function. They're listening to these Democrat attorneys that are uh, representing them.
You know, I've seen the video too. It does confuse me, but you know what? It's it's okay. It's okay to talk about this stuff. Okay, you know, right. it was in 2000. It was in 2004. It certainly is whenever a Democrat feels uh, like something wasn't up on, on the up and up. To be continued, Chris Kuchuroff, our best to your defendant, Thank uh, you. your client, Harrison Floyd. All the best, and we'll be right back. Thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. I switched. I switched. I switched. I switched to Newsmax. 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 Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should too. All right, you're about to see the fake news version of the worst flub in the world. Now they know it's not the worst flub, it's not the worst gaffe, but they say Trump made it, so it must be really, really bad. Uh, I don't think it is that bad and actually might even be great, as in it's not a gaffe, might have been exactly what he wanted to say when he seemed to say Nikki Haley when he meant Nancy Pelosi. Take a look. By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. You know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information weekend that after he confused Haley for former Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi during one of his rallies. Trump confused Nikki Haley for House Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi. Was Trump just having a senior moment when he confused Republican rival Nikki Haley with former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi? And it happened again, yep, this weekend when he repeatedly confused Haley with former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. All right. But here's the deal. Uh, they all had to say later in their reports that it was Nancy Pelosi who was offered the 10,000 troops. It was Nancy Pelosi who was actually charged with security. So that, in a way, affected the message that he wanted out there. Because when he says Nancy Pelosi was in charge of security, nobody pays any attention. But when he says Nikki Haley is, and he said Nikki Haley three times, I don't know. What do you think? It's kind of like when he said, we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. We will build a great wall along the southern border and Mexico will pay for the wall. So he repeated that, as you know, all throughout the country. And when he said Mexico is going to pay for it, suddenly that became the debatable part. Is Mexico, how could that ever work? People weren't debating the wall part. He's actually advancing his argument. And guess what? <laughs> he got a lot of the wall done. And if they didn't try to sabotage his administration, I think he could have finished it and he'll finish it next time. Look, could have been just uh, confusing the names, but I have a feeling it was up to something else, something a lot more sophisticated. All right. Ah, you know, we lost some uh, Navy SEALs. We lost some Navy SEALs. Do we have their identity? Can we put the Navy SEALs up that we lost? Um, they were conducting missions in the Gulf of Aden. Christopher Chambers, along with uh, the other individual, Nathan Gage Ingram. You know, our Carl Higby is a Navy SEAL. He's great insight into what may or may not have happened here. But I don't want to make it political, but it is kind of strange how Joe Biden talks about the troops when it's safe to do so, safe for him to do so. Here's Joe talking about protecting our troops when the troops are not in the headlines. 
God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. May God bless America, and may God protect our troops. May God bless you, and may God protect our troops. May God protect our troops. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. I really mean I believe in you. I really mean it. Protect those troops. Well, we lost two today, right? We have their names finally, actually. And I think that warranted special, special mention of these, of these two heroes. But maybe mentioning it would, well, call to mind all of the indecisiveness and the weirdness and Iran getting the upper hand. And this is what happened at the White House today when he was done with public remarks. With that, I'm going to sit down and we're going to get to work. Thank you all for being here. Let's get this done. It's important. Thank you. It's a bizarre omission, right? They put out a paper statement about it, but uh, I, think they're, I think they're hiding. I think they're bad people. I'm sorry. This administration must go. We'll be right back. You know about the uh, razor wire that the state of Texas was putting up in Eagle Pass? They were trying to fortify the border. <laughs> the state border of Texas is an international border. The federal authorities weren't doing it. They've been hamstrung by um, the Biden administration. Well, the Supreme Court just ruled uh, basically in favor of the Biden administration. The, the barbed wire must come down. Now, it's a, it's a temporary ruling. Um, they basically said a lower court. Uh, they struck it down, at least for now. Haven't seen the supporting documents. There may not be any, actually. Supreme Court just said the previous order stands, and I guess they're still litigating, but that barbed wire comes down, and Joe Biden is actually finally acknowledging that we don't have much of a border. Actually, sound policy could fix this situation basically in a matter of hours. Hey, five to four decision. Guess who, guess who sided with the liberals? Chief Justice Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett. How about that? All right. You know, we have a very toxic media culture. We have for a long time Richard M. Nixon, one of my favorite presidents. And he saw the political talent inside Trump at a very early stage. Um, he had the number of the mainstream media. He did not like the way they operated. Take a look at this. When we think of the media in this country, the problem is uh, that they have a sense of self-righteousness. Uh, a double standard on issue after issue after issue. They can find everything wrong with somebody else, but they will not look inside and ever admit that they could be wrong themselves. And what was involved here in the Watergate thing was the unfairness of it. Oh, there was a legitimate thing to investigate, but they refused to balance it. Uh, they allowed their advocacy to get ahead of their reporting, which is their job to do. You know, the media is always talking about uh, the imperial presidency, the power of the imperial presidency. I think we ought to hear a little bit of discussion of the imperial media and its power. You see, presidential power is limited, limited by the courts, limited by the Congress. The media's power is unlimited. It's true. Richard Nixon, brilliant man. Um, well... We're not going to call him the imperial media, all right? <laughs> but everything he said applied. We won't call him that. We'll stick to fake news. But he's ra he raised great points back then. Ah, wish I met him.
Came close once, but I, I didn't make it in time. I'll be right back. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. Have you heard about Newsmax Plus? You got to check it out. 200,000 Americans have signed up for it since we launched last November. It is a big deal. Folks are tired of the old media. And Newsmax Plus is a great opportunity to access all Newsmax content, archival Trump footage, special documentaries, movies, and of course, our great TV shows. You got the Rob Schmidt show, you got Carl Higby, Greta, this show, of course, Eric Bowling, and the rest. And we have uh, awesome panelists. I mean, Dershowitz is here all the time, Mike Huckabee, we love him. So, Newsmax Plus, go to NewsmaxPlus.com. 200,000 people have already done it. That's a big deal in our business. Folks, it's worth it. Uh, I have it, all right? Uh, my wife and I have it. We share the account. You can do that. Uh, so, I encourage you to do it as well. And also join us tomorrow night, special New Hampshire primary night coverage. It starts at 7 with these two, Rob Schmidt and Jen Pellegrino. And then at 9 o'clock, I take over along with my buddy, Bob Brooks. It's going to be awesome. Bob is uh, one of our newest Newsmax members. Great guy. Uh, we're friends off air and on air. You'll see tomorrow night. So I'll see you then, okay? Take care.